Hi, and welcome to Menlo Church Online. Menlo is a place where we believe that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. So sit back and relax, and here we go. What are you thankful for? God. Why? Because I love God. I'm thankful for my dog. I'm thankful for my Nintendo Switch. My PS4 and my uh, sisters. I'm thankful for Mama cooking all, all the stuff for me. I like broccoli. Oh, you like broccoli? Why? Because Why? that's my favorite part of dinner. I'm really thankful for my friends and family. They're really nice to me, and <laughs> I really like having them around to make me comfortable. My family that cares about me a lot. Having a good family that communicates a lot. I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for all my friends, and I'm thankful for ice cream. My friends and family and ice cream. I'm thankful for kitty cats. Sleep. I'm thinking for well, I love the honesty of a kid when you ask them what they're thankful for. Uh, as adults, we tend to want to sound a little more sophisticated and nuanced, so we might say something like peace or freedom, when deep down what we really want to say is cupcakes. <laughs> I know I do, at least. Uh, in the middle of the holiday season, after we finish nine weeks of the Way series, uh, we want to look at a practice uh, that is so vital to us as we follow along the way of Jesus. And this is the practice of gratitude. It's a practice that deserves more than one day out of the year surrounded by turkey and canned cranberry sauce. Uh, this is a practice uh, that we want to make a part of every day of our lives. Now, years ago, I was a freshman in college, and like many college freshmen, I experienced a pretty challenging semester, meeting new friends, taking new courses, uh, spending so many nights uh, studying diligently. By studying diligently, I mean midnight Taco Bell runs and video games. Uh, and so I felt like I deserved a break. I was so excited for Christmas. I was expectant for the food and the family, and I had asked for a lot of gifts. Now, I don't remember everything I asked for that year, but I do remember one of them was for a new U2 CD. Uh, now, U2 is, the, of course, the only God-ordained rock band there is. And for those of you who are under 25, a CD was sort of like Spotify in physical form. It was like a little reflective Frisbee, and you could put it in the sound system and play music. It was really cool. Uh, so I was so excited uh, for uh, the holidays and the things to come. But the week of Christmas, I got a sharp pain in my stomach. At first, I thought, of course, this is my punishment for all those midnight Taco Bell burritos. But the pain kept getting worse and worse, to the point when we drove to my grandparents' house, it was excruciating. Uh, I was uh, doubled over in the car, and every bump that we hit in the car felt like a knife was stabbing me. And we got to my grandparents, and they rushed us to the ER, and uh, the physician informed me of the news. This was no Taco Bell-induced trauma. This was appendicitis. And my appendix was about to rupture, so they needed to remove it immediately. Now, not having a lot of medical knowledge, I took the news really hard. 
was like, how, how is my life going to change from losing such a vital organ? <laughs> Will I have dietary restrictions? Will I be able to play sports? Will I be able to have kids? <laughs> Needless to say, the Oklahoma Educational Department had failed me in many ways. <laughs> And I, I found out the truth, of course, that the appendix is not an organ that we actually even need. The doctors and scientists don't even know what it's for. It's just sort of thrown in our bodies for fun. Uh, it's one of those questions I'm going to ask God when we get to heaven. Why do we have an appendix? Uh, but all the expectation and the hope. And there I was on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day uh, on a small hospital bed connected to tubes and monitors with a Christmas feast of crushed ice. This was definitely not what I had asked for. I didn't ask for this. This is not what I expected. This is not what I thought I deserved. And today, I wonder how many of us in this room are in, in a circumstance where we would say, I didn't ask for this. I didn't expect this. I don't deserve this. Maybe you had hoped for a fulfilling dream job, but you find yourself stuck in emails and traffic. Maybe you had hoped for a relationship that looked like Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, but instead it looks like Edith and Archie Bunker. <laughs> Maybe your health has failed you. Maybe a dream has failed you. Maybe a friend has betrayed you. Maybe you are riddled with anxiety all of these circumstances, and you would say, I didn't ask for this. See, the practice of gratitude is so vital for us because as a people, even with all of our technology, our conveniences, our comfort, our dissatisfaction is increasing, our anxiety is increasing, and our well-being is going down. Uh, there's a Gallup study that started in 2012 called the World Happiness Report. And it's shown that for the past seven years in our country, uh, well-being has sharply declined every year. Dissatisfaction has gone up. Practice of gratitude is so important uh, because it has the ability to help us change our mindset to be the mindset of Jesus. It can help us feel better. It can help us treat others better. And some uh, research has shown it can actually make us healthier. So today, whatever uh, situation you find yourself in, whether you're a junior high or high school student and you're dealing with the pressures of school and peers, or you're a senior adult uh, dealing with late-stage loneliness, or you're an entrepreneur dealing with work pressures and burnout, or maybe you're a parent of three young kids who have been sick for two straight weeks and you can't get any sleep. Hi, that's me. <laughs> whatever situation you are in, this is a vital topic. Even if you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not sure where I stand with Jesus and God, I still think it's vital for you to listen today because if you employ this practice, it can transform your life. Now, the Bible is filled with thoughts about gratitude. And so we're going to look at one story in the Old Testament about the Israelites and see what we can learn uh, about gratitude from them. So we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16. Uh, before we get there, I want to give a quick backstory. Uh, the Israelites are described as God's chosen people, uh, chosen by God and promised by God to increase in number and be a blessing to the world. But in a major plot twist at the end of Genesis, 
uh, they find themselves in captivity and slavery in Egypt. And they, for years, have lost their freedom. And they are enslaved and find all the labor and toil and injustices that slavery entails. And then we see in Scripture, in the midst of this horror, the Israelites cried out to God. And he heard their cry. And then in a series of dramatic plagues and miracles, God brings them out of slavery and he gives them freedom. Uh, He's going to lead them to the promised land, but they're not there yet. They're wandering in the desert and they don't know where their next meal will come from. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. In Exodus 16, 2, we see this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I love this word grumble. It's not a a word we use very often in our culture anymore. In Hebrew, the word grumble can be translated to murmur, uh, a soft complaint. I used to do this as a teenager. My parents would be like, son, you can't leave your room or you can't leave this house until you do your homework. And I'd be like, oh, man, my parents are when I get out of this house. And they're like, what? I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't say anything. That's a, that's a murmur. That's a soft complaint. Sometimes our grumbling and our complaining can be loud and proud, but oftentimes it's more of a murmur. In our heads, uh, we complain about how our boss or our job treats us. At night, we can't sleep because in our mind we're having a fantasy conversation about what we should have said or what we will say next time. Our lives can be full of incessant, murmuring. Let's continue. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out of this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This is interesting. The Israelites are so frustrated that now they're reminiscing about the good old days of slavery when we used to sit around and eat all the pots of meat we wanted. I wish we could have died there. How quick, how quick they are to forget what God has done for them, the desperation, the way he has rescued them. It's easy for us to uh, judge the Israelites, to give them a hard time, but but their circumstances were no joke. Uh, They were wandering in the desert. They were hungry. They didn't know where their next meal would come from. It was hard. It was trying just like your circumstance, just like my circumstance, just like every human in history's uh, life is hard. It's unpredictable. It's rarely what we ask for. But here today is the lesson. Here's what we can learn from this story. It's this. The Israelites focused on the difficulty of their circumstance instead of focusing on the provision of God. They focus on the difficulty of their circumstance instead of the provision of God. See, up to this point, God had given the Israelites gift after gift. He had heard them. He had rescued them. Then they had witnessed miracle after miracle. In just a few verses earlier, he had given them water to drink miraculously. The evidence of God's goodness was all around them, but their minds were focused on their current circumstances. And this is, this is the same trap we fall into. We focus on our, our minds on the things that happen to us, the frustrations, the annoyances, the trials. 
instead of focusing on the provision of our Creator. Now, I read a lot of children's books these days, and some of them are surprisingly poignant. One of my favorite ones I read to the kids is called Pete the Cat and His Magic Sunglasses. Uh, Pete is a, normally a cheerful, upbeat cat, uh, but one day he has the blues. He's feeling down on the dumps, and he runs into Grumpy Toad, uh, who gives him some magic sunglasses. And Pete puts these sunglasses on, and his mindset shifts. It changes. He starts becoming joyful, and he starts seeing the world differently. He starts seeing the sun and the birds and the sky. Uh, But then, in a tragic skateboarding accident, uh, the glasses fall off, and they shatter. So Pete uh, doesn't know what to do. And his friend, the wise old Al, comes to him, and he tells him this, Pete, uh, you don't need those sunglasses. This is what you need to do. You need to look for the good in every day. See, the wise old knew this truth. The sunglasses weren't magic at all. The only thing that had changed was Pete's mindset, the things that he chose to look at, the things he chose to focus on. And this is the same thing that we need to do. We need to change our focus from our circumstances to the goodness of God all around us. And some of you are probably thinking, man, this Pete the Cat thing doesn't work for me. <laughs> Uh, You don't understand how hard my circumstance is. I want to be clear, you're right. I have no clue what you're going through. I don't want to trivialize or minimize uh, your circumstance. The last thing I want this talk to be is about sucking it up or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, The reality is some of you may be living out of your car right now. Some of you may be in such a season of depression, it's hard for you to get out of the bed in the morning. Some of you may be facing some kind of abuse or racism. Uh, These are intense circumstances, and the last thing I want to do is minimize them. Uh, But here's the deal. Here's the reality. Consistently, throughout the Bible, we see there's some kind of power, there's some kind of key to spiritual flourishing lives when we are able to see the goodness in the midst of every circumstance. The Apostle Paul instructs us about this exact thing. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, he says this, give thanks in ideal circumstances. No. Give thanks in good circumstances. No. Give thanks when? In every circumstance. See, I would say Paul is speaking of what I would call a master level of gratitude. See, there's a beginner's level of gratitude uh, it's, it, beginner's level is when you're lying on a beach in Maui and you're grateful. That's pretty easy. Uh, it's pretty easy to be grateful when you're a Cubs fan and the Cubs won the World Series. That's easy. It's easy to be grateful when you have a high-paying dream job and everything's going your way. The master level of gratitude is being grateful in the lack of health, in the midst of brokenness and trials, to focus your mind on the goodness of God in every circumstance. This this is the master level. And as we journey on the way of Jesus, this is what we all want to strive towards. And maybe you, maybe me, maybe we're not there yet, uh, but this is what we want to journey towards. And for the rest of our time, I want to talk about some steps we can take to journey towards this master level. The first step 
on this journey is, is this, to count your blessings, not your burdens. Count your blessings, not your burdens. A 2003 study done by the American uh, Psychological Association researched different groups of people and found that those who kept a record and a list of the things that they are grateful for, their blessings, experienced a higher well-being and a positive affect than the group who kept a record and a list of uh, their hassles or their frustrations. And of course, this totally makes sense, but if you're like me, man, this is, this is not my preference. This is not my natural way of doing things. I naturally uh, wake up in the morning and I start thinking about my problems, the things I'm stressing about, what conflicts I'm going to have in the day. Am I going to have to deal with some difficult congregants? Uh, to be clear, I'm not, there's no difficult congregants in Menlo Church. We're all pleasant here. Uh, I was talking about another church that I have to deal with. Uh, and then I end the day by thinking about all the things that went wrong all the burdens that I had, uh, the things I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have eaten so many Thanksgiving mashed potatoes. I run those over in my head. Uh, when the reality is, uh, we want to learn how to keep a record of our blessings. Uh, back to the Israelites. After they grumbled about their food situation, God again provided for them. Every day in the desert, God gave them a miracle food called manna. Uh, what is manna? It's sort of a wafer-like bread substance. And, and I know what you're thinking. Was manna gluten-free? Uh, was it organic? Was it casein-free? Did God think through all the people's allergy requests? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask God about that. Uh, every day, he gave them a gift, manna from heaven. He provided for their hunger. And then he instructs them this interesting thing in verse 32. He says this, take an omer of manna. Omer was a jar, and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So an Omer uh, was a jar, and God instructs them to fill this jar with some of the manna. Now, why did he do this? Why did he instruct them to do this? He wanted them to remember what God had done for them. When they were tempted to complain or to grumble, they could look at this jar and they could remember this. Yes, this is the God that provides. They could remember all the gifts that he had given them throughout the years. Now, what if, what if you and I, what if we started our mornings like this? Instead of listing our burdens and our trials, what if we listed uh, the gifts that God had given us? What if we uh, thought through and listed out all the ways God had provided for us? What if we ended our days like this and we kept a mental jar of all the ways that God had blessed us in that day? See, this is the master level of gratefulness. Count your blessings, not your burdens. So today, as you leave, we're going to be giving everybody a jar of manna as we leave. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. We are going to be giving you a journal. Uh, at Info Central, you can pick up a journal. What we want to encourage you to do is use this as an, a gratitude journal. I started doing this a couple years ago, and it's transformed my outlook on life. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do a gratitude journal. There's no wrong ways. Some people write out long-form paragraphs of what they're thankful for. 
Some people do a bullet list. Some people draw pictures. I keep it pretty simple. In the morning, I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And then at night, I write down three more things. And these can, these can be big things like uh, family members or events, or they can be small things like a cup of coffee, the smell of fresh bread. But this is the first step on our journey. Count your blessings, not your burdens. Now, another step on our journey to master level gratitude is to see life as a gift. To see life as a gift. Uh, my daughter is five years old now, and recently she brought home a picture uh, I want to share with you that she drew. Uh, and it simply says this I am thankful for my family, MA family. <laughs> and a uh, side note, uh, you, you may be able to see I'm the person in the middle holding our baby. Oh, thank you. Zooming in. Okay, and I saw the picture, and I, I don't know if you see the circles that are on the arms. And I saw the picture, and I was like, oh, well, I'm flattered. Uh, her dad saw all the muscles that I have, and she you know, drew it to scale. And so I, I go to her, and I was like, hey, I saw you draw circles. You drew circles on my arm. What are those? And she was like, oh, that's how I draw sleeves. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sleeves, right, yeah. That's what I thought, not muscles. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's cliche to say, but I can't believe she's five years old now. It seems like yesterday uh, that she was born. Uh, when she was born, I was 30 years old. I had no idea what to expect. I'd seen movies about husbands fainting in the hospital room. I preferred not to do that. And uh, Lori, my wife, started having contractions in the room and things got intense really quick. And so I gripped her hand and I started encouraging her. And I was like, oh, we're actually doing it. We're giving birth. And she's like, who is the we in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> and then the atmosphere of the room completely changed. Everything started moving in slow motion. And a tiny baby appeared with intricate hands and feet. And I looked at my daughter in the eyes for the first time, and everything changed. My perspective was altered. I experienced a love that was incomprehensible. I realized in this moment, I'm witnessing a miracle. This is a miracle. And here's the deal. I didn't ask for this. I didn't expect this. I don't deserve this gift. What is this miracle? What is this life? And of course, on the other side of birth, there is death. Some of you this week uh, at Thanksgiving, you're looking around the Thanksgiving table and there was someone missing that used to be there. And things just aren't the same anymore. My grandpa, who we lovingly call G-Dad, uh, passed away a year ago. I can't help but think of him in this very moment as I'm preaching because he himself was a preacher. I actually have a book here that uh, he gifted me about preaching uh, before he passed away. And, and I love on the cover here, it says Brother Vaughn Weaver. I'm gonna have you guys start calling me Brother Hendricks. I like that a lot. Uh, but G-Dad was, was a great preacher. I loved watching him preach. But even more than that, G-Dad lived life to the full. I have a picture of him on a motorcycle in his preaching overcoat. Uh, I remember watching him in his 60s uh, while he was water skiing. He would do flips. Uh, 
He, he would scuba dive. He would take us kids fishing and camping. I had a really special relationship with him. But I can't help but think of this reality that G-Dad was once where my daughter was, a tiny baby, a miracle of life. And a few years go by, he meets my grandma, Gigi. A few years go by, they have four kids, including my mom. A few years go by, and they have a slew of grandkids. Uh, don't tell any of them, but I'm certain that I was a favorite. And a few years go by, and he has passed away. This is life. It's short. It's brief. When we remember the shortness of life, we remember how much of a gift it really is. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In James, we are taught that our lives are only a mist, a vapor. It's quickly vanishing away. See, it's the brevity, it's the shortness of life that gives it its sweetness. Like one of my favorite theologians, Ferris Bueller, says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. See, when we remember how short our lives are, we remember that life is a gift. It's a miracle. But when we focus on our circumstances, all we can see is what's wrong. What, what things do I not have? my frustrations, my longings. But if we can zoom out, we can look above those circumstances, we see the miracle and the wonder of life. Another one of my favorite theologians right up there at Ferris Bueller is uh, G.K. Chesterton. And he says this, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. When we see the wonder of life, we can't help but respond in gratitude. We are dirt and blood and bones, and God has breathed his spirit into us. We have consciousness and life and breath, and we were created out of nothing. We were given this gift of life, and here's the deal. We didn't ask for it. We were called into it. And the thing is, we only have a few of these moments in life. And I don't know about you, man, I wanna cherish those moments. I wanna be grateful for these moments that I have. I don't wanna spend these moments frustrated or annoyed. Now, uh, the last gift, or excuse me, the last step on our journey uh, to master level gratitude uh, would be what I call seeing the gift of grace to see the gift of grace. At the end of his life, Jesus was on a cross, and his life had been a miracle and a wonder, but it was also short, and it was brief. He was familiar with the sufferings of life, with bitter circumstances. And then in his darkest moment, at his death, he looked beyond his circumstance, and he looked to his persecutors, by extension, all of humanity, and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. See, we're not only given a gift of life. Through Jesus, we're given a gift of grace. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Out of love, 
out of grace, in the middle of fear and addiction, hopelessness, pain, we're given grace, and we're given grace. See, he not only provides for our external circumstances, but he provides for our hunger and need internally. He is our eternal living manna. He's the living bread, the living water. He provides for our deepest desires. And here's the deal. We don't deserve this, but it was a gift freely given to us. And when we turn our eyes to Jesus and we see his grace fully, we can't help but respond in gratitude. We shift our focus off our circumstances and we direct them to Jesus. There's an old hymn uh, that teaches of this deep truth. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, this is the practice of gratitude. Thank you. This is the practice of gratitude. We can learn master level gratitude from the master himself. We can take our focus off our burdens and we can turn our eyes to the giver of life, the giver of grace. And we respond in thanks. Now, uh, today, we want to practice this together in this service. As I mentioned, uh, we're going to be giving you journals uh, as you leave, but we also wanted to practice this uh, right now together. And so if you look in your bulletin, you may have noticed we made a, a little empty spot at the front. And we want to encourage you to get out a pen, find a pen, and we are going to practice this together. We're going to turn our eyes to Jesus, and we're going to remember his blessings and his provision. So in a second, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna play some music underneath for a couple minutes and we wanna give you the space uh, to do this together. So I'm gonna pray and then I wanna encourage you to take that out and uh, take some time in gratitude. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these moments uh, to remember this reality that you have given us a gift of life. We didn't ask for it, we don't deserve it, uh, but it's a gift, and then you give us grace over and over again. Would you help us be the kind of people that live lives of gratitude, that look beyond our everyday circumstance, that look beyond ourselves, and we see a God who provides, a God who is with us. So in these next few moments, help us to uh, remember that together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed the message and that you took something from it that you can apply to your own life. If you want to keep up with what's going on at Menlo, follow us on social media, and we hope to see you again soon.